Busey Wealth Management, we're proud to partner with individuals, families, and foundations, ensuring possibilities become achievements. From preserving and enhancing your assets to securing your legacy for future generations, we're focused on your success. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth. Since 1868, member FDIC. WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob Casey's here. And Casey, you know, it is time for children across central Indiana to go back to school. Yeah, a lot of them have started already. And while we have many fine people working inside the public education system, I don't think it's a stretch to say our public education system is broken. Is it time to put who's your children first? Well, it seems like we always put everybody but. The Hoosier children first. And joining us now on the drivehubler.com hotline, he was literally foaming at the mouth saying, Rob, I must come on. We must <laughs> talk about the highly broken public education system. Our good friend, the former 2020 Libertarian nominee for governor, running again in 2024, Donald Rainwater. How are you, my friend? Good morning, Rob and Casey. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it's uh, back to school time in Indiana, and so there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, so you look at the public education system system and it always floors me and i'd be curious to get your your thoughts on this so on one hand the general assembly says well we must throw more money than ever before at vouchers and getting kids the opportunity to get out of the public education system and then on the other hand they say we must throw more money than ever before at the public education system that doesn't seem to compute with me what say of you well i'll tell you it it sounds to me like uh the public education system in the state of Indiana is a lot like the Titanic, and uh, the folks in the General Assembly, the folks uh, who have declared to run for governor in uh, 2024 uh, on both sides of the aisle, uh, are talking about uh, trying to patch the ship while it's going down, and they want to spend a lot of money to do it. Instead of getting the lifeboats out and putting the lifeboats out so that we can get Hoosier families in the lifeboats. And I think that's why uh, universal school choice and, and not the, the uh, what I would call the uh, cotton candy version that they're talking about in the Indiana General Assembly, but real universal school choice. That's the lifeboats for, for Hoosier families, in my opinion. And what we need to do is we need to decentralize education, give it back to parents, school boards, teachers. Uh, We need to strengthen the the concept of the PTA or the PTO that was an integral part of education when I was a kid. We need to amend our state constitution to stop giving our General Assembly and and the two old political parties uh, an excuse for taxing Hoosiers and then redistributing that money and calling it education funding. Yeah, so let me ask and, you. And, let me let me ask you. Go this. ahead. Yeah, let me real quick on this. So we always hear from the uh, well, it's usually like teachers union heads or whatever. But I mean, there are people who believe it and go, "Oh my gosh, our local public education system is so great." Well, if it's actually so great, wouldn't everybody just keep going to the public education system if they were given the choice between public education or something else? It it seems like they say the stuff, but then when you say, well, then nothing will change or, well, you can't have choice. 
Right, right, absolutely. And, you know, the, the, another big tell, if we're, you know, talking about the poker game that is the General Assembly funding things with the Hoosier taxpayers' money, is the fact that when you start talking about these things, you know, they immediately go to the idea that, well, you know, this is it's it's in the state constitution. It's it's part of what we're supposed to do. And so we as Hoosiers need to realize that, uh, you know, public education is failing. And our governor, our current governor, loves to say, you know, we don't have Hoosiers who are educated well enough to fill all these high-paying technical jobs <laughs> that I'm bringing in from out of the state and out of the country, and we need to train our, our people up. Well, that's what public education was supposed to be doing for the past four decades, and it certainly hasn't been working. And, you know, I was taught if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. So if you think that Hoosiers aren't trained up, then maybe it's our public education system's fault, uh, and maybe we need to get the lifeboats out into the water. Two questions for you. Donald Rainwater, our guest, who's the 2020 Libertarian nominee for governor, running again in 2024. Uh, if you're governor in 2024, first question, will you have some wacky, wild, stupid slogan like, level up? What, what will be your slogan, Don? <laughs> Oh, no, my, my slogan is we need better government, not bigger government. <laughs> uh, that's mu- better much better. Government. That's much better. Yeah, much better. You know, we, we need, first of all, again, uh, and, and this is something that I think people need to understand and, and we don't talk enough about, is the fact that uh, right now the voucher program uh, their version of school choice is you can choose any school that we accredited. But they're that's in charge. That means they're in charge. Choice. Yeah, they're, that's not that's, choice. That's, you know, that that's, uh, well, you know, uh, the ship's going down. And as long as you stay on the ship, well, <laughs> you can go anywhere on the ship you want to. <laughs> that, that, that's not going to keep us from drowning. So what we what we need is we need for Hoosiers to start innovating and start realizing that that what we really need are privately accredited, uh, whether those are national accreditation uh, entities, regional accreditation entities. We need privately accredited schools to be planted and and grown and and we need people to have real choice mm-hmm. and be able to decide where their kids and and look if you want to send your children to a school that teaches things that I don't agree with that's what the first amendment is about yeah and and you Don, have and- the right to choose and you know I say all the time liberty is the right for me to be as stupid as I want to be, as long as I don't hurt you. Yeah, and, and Don, you're, you're right. If the public education system is so great, as everyone says, they'll win out and the private schools will go under. Uh, Casey, go ahead. All right, Donald. So Jennifer McCormick, who's running for governor under the Democrat label, says that we need a leader who believes in common sense, decency, and finding solutions <laughs> that make our state better. Sounds to me well, like I'm she... I'm glad that she's endorsing me. Ah, there we go. It, 
it sounds to me like she wants Hoosiers to change to fit her definition of leadership. That is exactly right. And, you know, I, I, I have to say this. I, I guess she's either a Republican or a Democrat <laughs> because she's run for, for statewide office now as both. And either way she goes, what she's proposing is more big government, more uh, socialist education policy, because that's what public education is. It's it's government-run education. Government owns the schools. Government decides the curriculum. And if you're a parent and you don't like the way that your child is being taught, you need to go sit down in the corner and shut up. Hey, well, that's not the way it should work. i got about a minute left. I wanted to ask you this. We had a guy call the show. He said he went to the Hendricks County Fair. Braun was out there, Mike Braun. He asked him about property taxes, and basically Braun told him, kiss my ass, I'm not doing anything on property taxes. It's just fine the way it is, and it'll work itself out. Why are the – I mean, it's just like across the board, these Republicans, it's it's like they get they have some bizarre fetish about making it as hard as humanly possible to live in your home. None of these Republicans, any of them, have a plan on property taxes. Why are the Republicans so excited about – taxing you as much as you as they can to live in your home well because millionaires don't worry as much about making sure that they can feed their families and clothe their kids and and pay their mortgages and as the rest of us do they're out of touch they don't understand they uh, tell me the last time one of these uh, establishment uh, republican or democrat candidates had to sit down and worry about do I have enough money in the bank to cover all my bills? We have runaway inflation. We have uh, small business owners in the state of Indiana who are shutting their doors because they can't get staff and because the, the supply chain is still broken. And, and these folks don't experience these problems. And if you don't experience, you've, if you've never had to worry about these things, then you all don't worry about them. That's the problem. Uh, Casey, go ahead. Now, that's a different perspective that people have. You've never said that you want to abolish all taxes, though. Well, I would love to abolish all taxes, <laughs> but that's not practical. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I would love to live in a world where um, – you know, everything was funded by uh, uh, money falling off the trees, but we don't live in that universe. We have to have uh, some practical way of paying for the shared services that we have in society. And I understand that. I may not like it, but I understand it. But the reality is, is if we want to uh, really invigorate our economy, the way to do it is to uh, put a true cap on property taxes, eliminate the state income tax, eliminate the, the state's vehicle excise tax, and the, the reality that you're, you're currently having to register your vehicle every year, whether you move or not, mm. roll back the gas tax to pre-2017 levels and get get rid of the indexing, the automatic taxation without representation that the current gas tax represents in Indiana, 
And people will want to come to Indiana. All right, all right, Rainwater, you've sold sold me. I'll vote for you. It's fine. I was on the fence. I will now vote for you. Hey, where can people find you? Uh, They can find me at uh, Rainwater for Indiana on Facebook and at www.rainwaterforindiana.com. And... uh, you can look at the uh, my stance on the issues, and of course, you can go there. And if you like what you hear, you can click that donate button because the old can- the old party re- candidates currently have three, four, five million dollars in their campaign fund, and for us to get our message out, we need your listeners' help. We need their support. Donald Rainwater, you're the best. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, sir. You have a great rest of your day. And Casey, yeah. Try to do the best you can to have a good day with with, with him next to you. Thank you for the support. I appreciate that. Absolutely. (laughs) You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 21 minutes after 11, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So Hunter Biden, he made his first appearance in that Delaware federal court earlier this week, pleading not guilty after the judge rejected his plea deal. She criticized it as being not standard, unprecedented, and possibly unconstitutional. So here's the question, Rob. Is he going to get out of this? Well, the odds are forever in his favor, given a couple things that that are working for him. Number one, he's a, a Democrat, and his father is the Democrat president of the United States of America. He has the full support of the national media who continue to spin this, I mean, just laughable narrative that he is just some drug-addicted guy down on his luck, and Joe Biden is just some loving father trying to help his son. So when you have a national media cabal spinning to stupid people in your favor, you have your father being the Democrat liberal president of the United States. You have a Department of Justice that has now been weaponized in favor of one political party. And let's face it, this thing would have gone through were it not for a federal judge basically being insulted that they had that Hunter Biden's attorneys had really pulled some shenanigans the day before in which apparently they were posing as allegedly posing as part of the prosecution team in an attempt to do something with documents. And she just said, enough of this crap. Mm -hmm. Y'all get out of here. You can plead not guilty if you want. So this is like the one judge who is putting a stop to it. Well, but it doesn't mean that she's going to put a stop to it long term. It doesn't mean that the next time they're going to come back with a plea deal and whatever issues that she had with it are going to be rectified. And this is where people just have lost all faith in a huge portion of this country because this guy is so obviously guilty and he's not just some guy down on his luck who got addicted to drugs. He is, I mean, the evidence from those those IRS whistleblowers and the other people, the Bobolinsky guy who was his business partner and other people we've heard testify, this guy knew, knew exactly what he was doing. Yes, he has, a, he had, has, whatever, a serious drug problem. Mm-hmm. But he's also allegedly funding a prostitution ring. 
He's doing corrupt business dealings with foreign entities and, and foreign governments. His dad, it is a pay-for-play scheme. I mean, this is not, again, there are people in this world, obviously. We see a lot of them on Monument Circle all the time who made some bad choices. They got addicted to drugs. They put themselves in a bad position. They lost a job. Those are people who you would be sympathetic for. This guy knew exactly what he was doing, and he was utilizing his position and access to his father with malice for his family's personal benefit. So the White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, she was asked about the possibility that Joe Biden would not would not pardon Hunter. Would Hunter get a pardon from his dad? And here's what she said. Let me go back to the first question of the briefing. I know you said not a lot's changed since yesterday and that it's a personal matter. But from a presidential perspective, is there any possibility that the president would end up pardoning his son? No. I just said no. I just answered. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now, is she saying, no, there's no way he would pardon him because they don't think it'll be necessary? Oh, I think that's absolutely correct. I mean, I, I think they're fairly confident. I mean, look at the shenanigans they tried to pull. And, you know, it's like it's like an end of a Scooby-Doo cartoon where I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you. Meddling kids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they almost got away with it where they pulled complete shenanigans on the court up to and including allegedly pretending to be someone they weren't. Mm -hmm. And finally, this judge just said enough. But it doesn't appear that there's any, any, uh, any desire by the prosecution to actually hold this guy accountable. It takes two to tango, and the prosecutor, the district attorney... The, the or, I'm sorry, the U.S. attorney gave this guy the sweetheart deal. Mm-hmm. There's no one interested in justice here who has the ability to enact justice. It seems like the only one who's interested in justice is the American people who want to see this. Uh, he, he doesn't need a pardon. Why? Well, of course, the establishment has his back. Uh, she went on to say that uh, Biden has not sought preferential treatment for himself or Hunter or against Trump. Can you state categorically that the administration has neither sought nor received favorable treatment from the DOJ for any investigation into the president, members of the administration, his family, or uh, former President Donald Trump? Absolutely not. The Department of Justice is independent. The president (laughs) respects the rule of law. He has been saying that since he was before president, uh, and that will remain the case. So she was asked, can you state categorically that the administration has neither sought nor received favorable treatment? And her answer was absolutely not. I can't state that. I mean, like, it's just so ridiculous for her to act like, uh, you know, the, the Justice Department is not independent. It should be in an ideal world. It's not because the guy who heads the Justice Department is appointed by the president of the United States. Merrick Garland is a political stooge. He is a leftist political stooge. And everybody knows that, you know, I always love to think, of, we got to get somebody in here who doesn't have any political bias. Everyone has political bias. Right, good luck finding that Every person. person, both sides of the aisle exist with political bias. Now, the law and the search of justice should not have politics injected into it. There is a big difference between saying, I want someone with no political bias. Everyone has a political bias, but you need someone who is going to administer the law equitably. And this is not happening. Yeah. Why are the taxpayers paying for the motorcade for him to ride into court to face criminal charges? I mean, did 
Did Trump's kids have personal motorcades? Boy, can all you the can you imagine that? Um, all right, hey, when we take when we, can we take a quick break? When we come back, mm-hmm. a legendary rocker, mm-hmm. kind of a forgotten rocker, but a guy who was very important in the history of one of the most famous bands of all time has passed away. Yep, we'll talk about that. And we have to get our ticket winner, the family four-pack for the Indiana State Fair. That's coming up next on 93 WIBC. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So Randy Meisner, he was one of the founding members of the Eagles. He co-wrote that song, Take It to the Limit. He has passed away. He passed away at the age of 77. He worked on a lot of their albums, including Eagles, Desperado, On the Border, One of These Nights, and Hotel California. He left the band in 1977 due to exhaustion. Yeah. But when they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame back in 1998, he was there. He joined the band for that. Well, if you had to spend every single day around Glenn Frey and Don Henley, you would leave of exhaustion, too. too. Uh, Because those two guys, while uh, phenomenally talented, I was thinking about this driving in today because I knew we were going to do this story. And this is going to be a coming in hot take, Casey. Okay. But I'm prepared for it, and I'm going to put it out there into the ether. Great. And people may lose their mind accordingly. I think you could make a compelling case that Fry and Henley as a duo were far more talented than Lennon and McCartney. Mm. I think if you actually look at, there is a a really cool feature out, and I don't know where it's at now, but it is a a virtual real-time graph that will show you records sold by year, and it's like a, a bar graph, and it'll move based on, and you look at the dominance of the Eagles between the years 1974 and 1980, I mean, they and obviously the Beatles had been broken up, but they had certainly eclipsed what the Beatles were doing, were selling. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the depth and success and certainly longevity of what Don Henley and Glenn Frey produced, I think you could make a compelling case. They are the greatest duo of all time. Now, that being said, they were surrounded by phenomenally talented people. And if you read anything about the Eagles, you realize how hard that was for the average person or musician to have to deal with Don Henley and Glenn Frey given their personalities and what complete psychotic perfectionists. And like, I don't even say that as a negative because clearly they created legendary songs that are still beloved. Sustainable. They're on tour again right now. And, you know, Don Henley is kind of the only remaining one left. Obviously, they replaced Joe Walsh, Timothy B. Schmidt, phenomenally talented guys. Mm-hmm. But they're still, I mean, they're, they sold out two shows here. I mean, it is, I just, the Eagles, I think as I've gotten older, I've learned to appreciate the Eagles more. Yeah. And Randy Meisner is kind of the, if you do any research on the Eagles, kind of the most underappreciated part of all that because he was he was underappreciated and phenomenal, not only as a songwriter, but as a vocalist. He hits in, the, in Take It to the Limit. He hits the high note. That's him. That legendary part is him. And there's about six people in the world who could have hit those notes. Mm-hmm. And so he's one of these, you'd say, well, why would you lead a segment off talking about some forgotten obscure rocker? He was actually that important to that group, and that group has been that important the world over. And I think this is—I think this is a really big deal that he passed away. Yeah, they would not have been what they were without him. You've got Henley and Fry, yes, but he was the one who wrote a lot of their songs yeah. as well. And as you mentioned, hitting the high notes. It, 
elevated the sound of that band. Without him, it's totally different. And, and so he left, and then uh, what's his name? Bernie Bernie Leiden, I think was the yeah Bernie Leiden was the guy who left shortly after this song came out, and they obviously replaced Bernie Leiden on lead guitar with Joe Walsh, who was just. Joe Walsh has lived one of the four, the Mount Rushmore of interesting lives in rock history. There's no doubt. Not only is he just a phenomenal guitar player, super cool dude, interesting guy. And then they replaced uh, uh, Meisner with Timothy B. Schmidt, mm-hmm. which is wild because Timothy B. Schmidt replaced Meisner in, in Poco, Poco when he went to form the Eagles. Yes. Ooh, that crazy love. And the, the thing about the Eagles, and like I know sometimes when we turn into music segments, people turn it out, but I just can't under under overstate the importance of the Eagles in our, our society. The story of Henley and Fry living above Jackson Brown. Mm-hmm. And if there's there are some incredible documentaries on the Eagles because they were all in Laurel Canyon. Yeah. All those great people from like nineteen Linda you know, Ronstadt was hanging around. Yeah, like sixty seven into mm-hmm. the early seventies, that ish that period out in California. And you think about things, they're like things you think about when you hear them in in reflection, and you think, in the time it may have not meant anything, but it, from a historical perspective, if you're a person who loves music, you had Jackson Brown, a young Jackson Brown, an obscure Jackson Brown, in a basement, basically, doodling on a piano, and Glenn Fry and Don Henley learning to write music, write songs, that would become some of the most beloved music in the history of this country mm-hmm. off of the incredibly talented Jackson Brown doodling on a piano. It's like when you hear about the stories of the founding fathers and the things that they did and the places they met and the letters there. It's it's like that moment, but for music. And Randy Meisner was a huge part of making all that happened to making those guys superstars. It is 1138. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Before I forget, because I've been forgetting all morning long, even though I have the note clearly in front of me. <laughs> Boy, I just keep missing it. Uh, we need to take caller number three right now oh. at 317-239-9393. Uh, it may take Kevin a second to get to you because we've got to get through this segment still, but we've got that family four-pack of tickets to the yeah, Indiana just, State Fair. Look, we'll, we'll filibuster here for a second. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll just take it right now. Kev, you can do it. We'll filibuster till you get back. 317-239-9393. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to win a family four-pack of tickets to the State Fair, you can bring Kev if you want. Kev will drive his van. You can roll down there together, have a good time, <laughs> pound some brews, check out the free stage. Uh, you're deep, open to that, right? Deep fried Oreos. Absolutely. All kinds of stuff. <laughs> you don't have to ride in Kevin's van, though. That's no part of uh, But winning. why wouldn't you want to? <laughs> you You'd want, want the whole experience. <laughs> hey, if you got a need for speed, <laughs> come with me. Okay. So, uh, so, so do that and Casey you know I'm thinking at some point we have to venture out to the state fair oh yeah well I think we need to go out there when Hammer and Nigel are out there now you were you were here last year did you go out last year no never made it to the fair have you ever been to the Indiana State Fair no because you, I know you're Wally Hoosier you are a long time a northern Indiana northern. Hoosier oh, yeah. oh perfect and we absolutely mm-hmm. at some point uh, have to go yeah. venture out to the Indiana State Fair and uh, see all the sights and sounds. And do all the things and eat all the food. Yeah, absolutely. That's what gets me most excited. When I was younger, I would be excited about the rides. Mm-hmm. Not so much now. Now it's about the food yeah. and the crafts. Isn't that amazing? And, and this is, I think it speaks to the specialty of something like a state fair where you can go and there are people who have been going to the Indiana State Fair for 40 years, 30 years. And even though their interests, you go as a child, you become an adult, even though your interests change, Mm -hmm. the fair is so diverse 
in its attraction that you can still find joy, Mm -hmm. even though it is a completely different thing by which you are finding joy in. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. So... Congratulations. I know he's getting our winner right now. Hey, before we get out of here, we have to talk about this, Rob. Yes. So this was some big news. The oh. congressional hearing on the UFOs ended. And and I don't like the fact that they're calling them UAPs now. I mean, what, so, we- so where are you at? Because you got very aggressive with me when I said little green men and you were very adamant. No, they're gray men. And you were <laughs> very, very they're direct. They're calling them gray now, not di- green. Direct and aggressive. And you, you were very adamant that I make sure that I get it right, that they're gray and not green. And I said, I thought they were green. And you said, no, they're gray. So you clearly <laughs> they're have- They're calling a, them grays. You have some sort of strong feeling on if there are UFOs or not. So you must think that there are. Well- And they're uh, gray. I, I don't know. I mean, Congress heard three uh, testi- three different people testify that said that, yeah, there's UFOs. There's non-human biologics. That's what they're calling oh. it, right? Um, and the reaction from many people- people has been oh okay like totally unsurprised i mean uh matt gates saying he's seen footage of four ufos that are non-human and moved in a diamond formation when u.s jets approached them and now we're coming out with all this testimony yeah there's there's aliens and it's like very under everyone's underwhelmed yeah, by it, it like but, but don't you think the average person thinks that there are like i don't know there has to have been polling done on this but and i don't know what it is but i would think the average person would say yes there is probably more to this very vast universe in and 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 space in which we live than than just us right and i think the average person would think that so i don't so think we're not alone and i think the average person thinks they have probably visited earth not to turn this into an x files episode sure but i think the average person would say yes there is probably life I mean, we've seen where life could be sustained on other planets. These places we're getting to, we're seeing theoretically, yes, they could. Well, if it's planets we can get to, think about what else is out there. I just don't think it's that big a deal. Now, if we catch one, Mm -hmm. okay, bigger deal, right? right? If it's Independence Day and the, the skies open up and lasers start blowing up buildings, bigger deal. I just think people say, yeah, I think it's out there. And if I already know this, until you're going to show it to me, what what do I have to be all that excited about? So you're like, you're saying, prove it. Let me see the stuff. Yeah, I think, if, again, if you catch Marvin the Martian and you parade <laughs> him out in front of everybody, yeah, I think that'll be the lead story that day. Mm-hmm. Or if an alien spacecraft is a la Independence Day, caught and brought into Times Square, then okay, I think everybody's going to zone in on that. I just think if people already believe something and there's nothing to further the belief in terms of a physical thing they can touch, hold, or anything else, then what what is there for me to be fired up about? Okay, so um, are you saying that this UFO whistleblower, this Grosh, he's he's not believable he is believable i just just, look i I believe they're time travelers and i've said this consistently for probably 20 years now that the most logical thing to me is that these are time travelers from many many years in the future and i look you may say this is ridiculous was any more ridiculous than the fact that there are things on other life other life forms that come to this earth that they are time travelers who come to this earth to study us mm. the same way. I mean, mm-hmm. we really do this here. You know, we uh, it's an archaeological dig and we discover bones and we learn about people and the way people lived or, or you know, dinosaurs or whatever. It is, it is not really that much different. It is a futuristic way because of technology people will have in the future where they can go back and study 
the way people were to help them in some capacity today. Okay, so this whistleblower, he says at congressional hearings, he testified that they have recovered non-human entities from crashed UFOs. Do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials? Something I can't discuss in public setting. Oh. Um, Okay, I can't ask when you think this occurred. (laughs) Um, If you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah, kind Bi- of. Biologics. This is, see, this is the, the word salad bullcrap. I'd love to tell you, but I can't. This is what we all get. And then to answer your question, this is why people don't care. You know what you will care about, though? Phone etiquette. <laughs> you people are awful <laughs> on the phone manners. at work. Yes, Susan Beckwith, Mind Your Manners, coming up next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's time to mind your manners with Susan Beckwith. Time to find out how much we suck as a society. It's Kendall and Casey's show. I'm kidding. 93 WIPC. Some suck more than others, right? Well, look, so if you're new to the new to the program or new to Friday afternoons, we end the show each Friday. The same way, we send you into the weekend trying to become a better, more polite, well-behaved member of society. Mm -hmm. And to do that, did you know we have our own personal former Miss Indiana? Yes. Susan Beckwith. She joins us, has a very fabulous website, Bell of the Midwest, where this is what she does. She teaches you the etiquette of life to make you uh, a better member of the world in which you live. Somebody has to. She joins us now on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Susan, how are you? I'm doing great. Excited it's Friday. Yes, and today we're talking about phone etiquette at work. Now, Casey will vouch for this. Half the time I'm at work, I'm not paying attention to her at all. I'm flipping through my cellular cellular telephone. (laughs) That's true. I'm going to guess that's not great etiquette. No, I I mean, what's interesting, when you think about our personal lives, we're on our phones texting a lot. But from a professional setting and in a workplace, really learning professional phone etiquette is still very relevant because we're still, you know, talking on the phone much more than we do on our cell phones. Now, I miss the days when I was a small boy where the phone was connected to the wall. (laughs) And you had to actually go over to the wall and place the telephone call. I I continue to maintain, in case I've talked about this many times, that technology is bringing about the death of this country. Am I just an old man who yells at clouds or is there some validity to what I'm saying? I think it's a double-edged sword because it has brought about a lot of great advances, and but at the same time, we've lost the ability to learn to communicate and interact with one another, and so that's where I get to come in and we get to review some of these things and think about how we can add a little more polish and, uh, you know, be professional. All right, number one, I, I will let you take it, Susan, right out of the gate. Number one, what is the number one piece of etiquette using your telephone while at work? Well, I'm going to start with this one because it's one of my pet peeves. <laughs> sure, it's 
all about you, Susan. It's all about you. Yes. I get to come on each week and, and either confess all the things I'm trying to be better about or all the things that really bother me. But one is uh, utilizing speakerphone mm. while at work and you're in a small space because that can be very distracting and you're trying to concentrate. Sometimes it's very difficult to even hear the call that you're on. So really try to only use speakerphone when necessary. You don't want everybody hearing your business anyway, do you? <laughs> exactly. Yes. I kind of work my regular nine to five. We're all pretty, pretty close together. And so uh, nobody really is terrible about this, but I have been in different work situations where it was a problem. So, wait, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Time out. Are you, t- of course, we have like seven people that work in this building, so we don't really know. But you're telling me in a, like an actual office environment, there's people who sit on their speakerphone in their cubicle and have conversations? Absolutely. And so then it's really difficult. <laughs> and then it's interesting because I've even <laughs> witnessed where somebody will end the call and then someone else in the room comments about their call. <laughs> about their conversation. Everybody knows what's going on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Susan, what's etiquette number two using your phone while on the job? Yes. Okay. So this is interesting. Um, try to answer your call within three rings because actually seven out of ten callers will hang up. Wait, wait, wait. First of all, there's an etiquette on how fast I have to answer my phone? From a professional standpoint, in a workplace, you know how frustrating it is when you can't reach somebody, and especially, you know, when you, it just rings and rings and rings. So the professional standard is to try to answer within three rings. That sounds very impatient. And by that rule, Henry Lee Summer from yesterday would have completely failed. Yeah, it took us like nine <laughs> rings to get a hold of him. No, wait, wait, wait. So here's, I'm going to totally call you, Casey, when we get off the air okay. incessantly. And every single time <laughs> I call you, I demand you answer in three rings or less. Okay, I'll do it. Uh, okay, now, so I'm, Go ahead, Susan. I'm going to ask you guys if you remember Home Alone, where she's in the airport. Yeah. And she's like using the payphone, and, you know, she's getting really impatient, and then she'll say, <laughs> I feel like I do that often. <laughs> wow. I feel like this uh, this usually lovely, very light show has taken a turn, a, a very dark turn here. Uh, okay. So three, th- try to answer in three rings if someone is calling you on the job. Hmm. Yeah. Does I'm on the air right now, I can't get to you count as an excuse? Absolutely, 100%. Okay, we're clear, Rob. (laughs) We're excused from that one. All right, Susan, what do you have? What's number three? So once you answer, be sure to immediately introduce yourself. Yourself, yeah. Yes, yes. And and then you say, you know, how may I assist you? How may I help you? Uh, Those are all good professional rules of etiquette. Also, if you need to place them on a hold or to transfer them, it's best for you to ask them if that's okay to place them on a brief hold or to transfer before you just do that. (laughs) I do do this. Casey, I'll be curious to see if you do this too, and Susan, you as well. When I call a corporation now, because I assume that it's all outsourced, I am curious where this person is at. Like, are they at their house? Mm-hmm. Is there some virtual thing? Am I going to am I going to hear a dog or a baby in the background? <laughs> I actually try to picture where the person is, what they look like, and what they're actually doing. Does that make me a total weirdo? No. No, but I 
see, I feel like also that speaks to, a prof- you know, to professionalism. So when people are working remotely, they probably need to be very cognizant of that as well, because that can be very distracting. And also, you know, I want to make sure whoever I'm talking to is focused and is actually retaining the information. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that you make an excellent point that wasn't even on my list. Oh, see, so, that's why we do it. I come prepared, Susan. I like it. So that, that is... Uh, <laughs> That is so good. I, I was I was having a conversation with your husband. He came by our house the other day, and he he said that you are like uh, I just never really feel prepared. Rob just he just starts and he doesn't prepare at all. And Micah's like that's how he always works. He's never prepared for anything. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> I love that you keep me on my toes. It's so good. It's uh, so be, good. Be, before we let you uh, promote your very fabulous Bell the Midwest website, one final thing: send us home. What is another very important thing? Uh, phone etiquette on the job. Well, just answering in general. This is one that happens to me. I literally, I'm not even kidding you. I, I work in healthcare, and I was calling, and it was a physician office. It was very busy. They would pick up and literally hang up the phone. Oh, wow. <laughs> so just answering, but, you know, we covered quite a few things when you do uh, that will really give you that extra polish and uh, professionalism. So, and I the think phone! Pick up the phone! Yeah. So answer it. Answer it in three calls. And and then introduce yourself. How may I help you? Absolutely. All right, Susan, tell us about Bell of the Midwest. Oh, good. Yes, this is a wonderful place to get in touch with me. If you have etiquette questions, send them my way. If you have an event that you are interested in me joining you, I would absolutely love it. We can talk all things social etiquette. You can also find some great blog articles about a plethora of topics. There is a new one today that I think is really great, and I kind of give a nod to my grandmother, who was a huge influence in my life, but just some of the etiquette uh, lessons that can be learned from our grandparents and some really good basic ones that uh, I think everybody will really enjoy. So be sure to check that out at bellofthemidwest.com. B-E-L-L-E of the Midwest.com. Susan Beckwith, you're the best. Thank you, my friend. Have a great weekend. You too. I love ending the show with her. She's always so chipper. Yeah, she's by far the brightest part of our whole week. Exactly. I mean, well, we are like a giant rain cloud, 9 to noon, Monday she's through the Friday. Sunshine. And then it's a little sun at yeah. the end of the week. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you for listening today. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll catch you back here on Monday. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.